Discover the benefits of CBD. Nature's Gems CBD products provide relief from joint pain, backaches, anxiety, sleeplessness, and more. Nature's Gem offers exclusive discounts just for our listeners, including a great bundle deal so you can sample several different CBD products. Check out all the CBD goodness at naturesgemcbd.com slash AMR. Welcome to AMR Answers. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. And this is Dimity McDowell. Happy New Year, Sarah. Yes, Happy New Year to you as well. I um, had a belated um, a tradition that some people do on New Year's Day. Molly and I did on January 3rd because she was out of town. And that is to do a polar plunge. Um, so... Did you guys come up? I mean, it's not, it's, how did you come up with that idea? Why have you done that in the past? Have not, have not. And it just, the idea, it was like a bee in my bonnet and it just came to me. And so I didn't even give myself really time to think about it because I knew if I debated it, I would probably, you know, nix it. So I texted her immediately and she said, yes, I, I barely had pressed send. And she's saying yes. So, um, so we did agree that if the weather was crummy, you know, like if it was mid thirties and raining, we wouldn't do it. And temperatures, the day was really lovely. It was um, about 47 degrees, pale sunshine, um, no wind. And so we went up to our beloved Kleinline pond and went for a run, a three mile run. And the water everywhere was so high. There's a um, stream slash river that runs through this park and it was just roiling. It was brown from all the runoff and had, you know, kind of white capped waves on it because of just, you know, hitting rocks and turning around and all this stuff. And so we couldn't even go out as far as we normally do on this one trail because it was flooded. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. So that was dramatic. So then we were getting um, suited up uh, um, at my car and we heard, woo, woo, woo. And I looked over at the pond, which I don't know, is maybe a hundred yards away or something. And I'm like, Ollie, there's already people in it. One's <laughs> <laughs> doing it on this third of January. <laughs> yeah. So, so we go down there and by the time we got there, they were out, but it was a, it was two families doing it. Oh, fun. <laughs> so I think that it's um, kind of tweens, you know, maybe 10, 11, 12. Uh-huh. And you know, there was one younger kid. So maybe he was nine or something, but you know, they were all bundled up by that point and they had a thermos of hot cocoa with them. And they even had a tarp to stand on because I just, it'd been, you know, since October that I had swam. So I forgot to bring my UFO. So I was barefoot. So I had to walk the hundred yards barefoot. And ultimately that was what bothered me the most was walking to from the car barefoot. Well, especially when your feet are after you've gone in and they're all mm-hmm. red and sensitive and you have to walk on like, you know, tiptoe back on rocks. Yeah. 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 So, so we, so we get, you know, um, and Molly's like, oh yeah, we need to wear our caps and goggles. Cause I think we're going to go swimming. And I'm like, mm, I think that's overkill. Cause I don't think we're going to go swimming. So um, once we st- took one step in there, I'm like, yeah, I'm not wearing my, my goggle and my, my goggles and my cap. So, but she gets in ahead of me, like she's prancing around. She's like, my feet are so cold. My feet are so cold. My feet. And I'm like, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, just keep going. So we get in, 
Um, unfortunately, I let a F-bomb fly. I apologize to the family afterward <laughs> um, yeah. and, and did a little breaststroke. And I got to tell you, yes, it was incredibly cold. What got me the most was my butt cheeks just clenched, just <laughs> clenched. <laughs> like, like right in what my, um, what my bar teacher calls the, your butt smile, like where your, your bum meets your, uh, up, you know, legs. Yeah. Like kind of the insertion point of the, of the, I don't know, gluteus maximus or something. It was just in agony. <laughs> so funny wait and you got in three times we got in three times yeah so we so we went in huh? and then we get out and then we talk to the family and then molly's like you want to go in again i'm like yeah sure let's go in again <laughs> and, then, and then finally we went in a third time and um and definitely the first two times was when my my butt gave me the problems the third time not and i kind of breaststroked out a little ways but molly was the first one to to fully go under like to get her head under and so once she did that, I knew I had to do that. Of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. That's a good little lesson, right? Like, you know, like, I mean, I think about um, triathlons and like they often say, or like a coach will tell you to get in the water before you get in the water for the first time, you mm -hmm. know, you go out and swim because it's, it can be cold. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, mm -hmm. you know, it's a little bit of acclimation. And then that second time or third time doesn't feel as oh. bad completely and so then i mean it still kept being sunny because here in portland it can be sunny and then five minutes later be overcast and you're wondering if you should run for cover and so it still kept being sunny when we're looking we're like we should go back in again we should go and i'm like molly we're just gonna keep standing here doing this like all day long i think we and i'm like three is my lucky number we're done well we're third it all it's all very symmetrical i like oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah wow so, that's so cool it is. So my takeaway is that I think we can start swimming for real earlier in the season than we have before. So in the, like, um, last year, I think the first one was maybe like May 26th or something. So I'm thinking maybe, I don't know, maybe first weekend of May D depends on how much rain we have, because that, that will make it colder if we have a lot of rain. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, Hey, nice job. I, I like, I applaud you. It sounds, you know what, it, you, you, you know, it's um, when you said, you know, and I just text her without thinking about it. It uh -huh. reminds me of when I was like, okay, I've got to run a marathon. Who, who am I going to ask? I'm not going to say no. And it was you, right. <laughs> if I would have gotten one, no, I would have been like, you're right. I shouldn't run a marathon after having my second kid, you know, like, <laughs> look, look where that landed us, Dims. I know. <laughs> and so the, the lesson, the takeaway overall, minus, you know, you can start swimming earlier is when you have an impulse that sounds exciting and you want it, just go for it. Right. Yep. And recruit some sucker to do it with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, the, the theme of being cold and all that stuff kind of leads right into our first question. And this is Stacy, who's looking to feel warm. Hi, Sarah and Dimity. This is Stacy calling from St. Louis, Missouri, and I was actually calling about um, your body acclimating to colder weather. So I have found that when the temperature um, is below freezing, that my body just doesn't react well, that I am moving slower, um, I want to slow down more, and um, I feel like I end up decreasing my miles because I just can't go as far as I intended. intended. And I um, know that in past podcast episodes, we've discussed that um, when the weather gets warmer, your body needs about two weeks to adapt to the hot weather. I just wanted to know if that actually is the same for colder weather as well. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate you, and I appreciate this global community of strong women run- runners that you've created. Thanks. Uh, well, Stacy, thank you for the kind words about the community AMR has coalesced. Thank you. And I found this a fascinating question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you did some good research, Sarah. So um, it takes us a little bit longer to get used to cold weather. It's closer to three weeks than that two weeks of um, of hot weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing your research, you found a story about a, a, a um, study done in the 60s um, that the U.S. Army did that made nude men spend <laughs> eight hours a day in a 50 degree chamber, eight hours. <laughs> and 50 degrees naked uh, for our Canadian listeners or or Euro listeners, that's 10 degrees Celsius. Mm -hmm. Um, But the good news is, is they did eventually habituate. I wonder what they talked about, first of all, when they were there. Like, can you imagine eight hours? (laughs) An entire work day of sitting naked with your colleagues and and like, yeah, so it's the 60s, so 1960s. So there's like nothing to do in there. It's like, yeah, okay, well, George, tell us about what it was like growing up on that farm in Nebraska. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Hey, Peter, tell us about that trip to Florida. It'll make us feel warmer. And Uncle Sam is funding it. So hopefully they got paid, right? right I mean, right. I mean that's, that's definitely some good work that they are doing. So anyway, the, the, the long story short is that they became habituated to the cold and mostly stopped shivering after about two weeks. And there was another similar one about people, um, the men, they were always the men, right? <laughs> three, three hours in a tub that was about 50 degrees. And after about, you know, um, two weeks of doing that straight, then they stopped shivering. And I-, yeah. I Reading that, I was just thinking about myself in an ice bath. I'm like, can you imagine, especially your first day and you're like, okay, three hours. And then you have to like, I have to go back a second day and do this again. Like, <laughs> But this brings up two things. So um, one of the dads of that family, he said he had been doing the cold shower routine for uh, t- uh, several weeks leading up to it. And that was his, the, when we saw him, it was his fourth time into the pond. But also it reminded me of that, um, you watched Kim Swims, that um documentary yeah which was so good and so i'm forgetting kim's last name but she said in that documentary that for so she her um one of her many feats is that she swam from san francisco to the Farallon islands which is 33 miles very cold water really strong currents um sharks oh i guess no she swam from the sorry Farallon to san francisco same distance but the opposite direction um and that she didn't take a warm shower for one year during that training oh wow Wow. Yeah, because it's not just like she was living her life and taking cold showers. She was doing, you know, 12, 14, 15 hour swims in cold water and then not, you know, still jumping in the shower and it's cold. And not warming up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So swimmers, man, it's also like swimming to Antarctica, which I know that we've talked about before in this pod. Mm -hmm. You know, the cold, uh, the, um, I don't know, sub- just subjecting yourself to cold water. I mean, Lynn Cox like would sit in those cold plunges. And I mean, I remember seeing that 60 minute story about her and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely an, a whole nother level of, <laughs> um, of uh, what's the word like agreed upon suffering. It's not like self-induced suffering, I yeah. guess, you know, yes, 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 right. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, so the lesson learned from all those swimmers is there are Stacy, there are ways you can help your body adjust. Um, as we mentioned, you can take colder showers, turn down the heat in your house that, you know, that'll teach you to tolerate lower temperatures. I was thinking about that this morning, Dim. Um, I do um, 10 minutes of the daily calm. I meditate before I go out to run and there's a blanket 
on our um, couch where I usually sit to meditate and because the cats have the, it's their blanket. And I was like, oh, I could, you know, throw this over my lap to keep me a little bit warm. I'm like, nope, I'm going to get kind of habituated to the chillier temperature. I'm not going to get, because if you, you know, if you walk around your house all bundled up before you go out, it's too much of a shock to then step outside. Sure. So, so, you know, so avoid covering up. And then also read this, that you can drink ice water. And this is one I'd never heard before. And it turns out I am not a science major. So it helps to lower your internal temperature, forcing your body to replace the lost heat by increasing your resting energy expenditure, which in turn helps you stay warm. So I guess it's like, oh, hey, let's go warm up that water. And then, you know, or I guess your stomach. And then, you know, the the nice side benefit of that is that you, um, that things have gotten cranked up a little bit. Is that right before you go out, you're supposed to drink the ice water or is that just in general, just sip on ice water daily? No, I got the sense that it was, um, the, the article I saw didn't, didn't specify, but I got the sense that it's something you do right, you know, I don't know, you know, within a half hour of going out. Okay. So maybe just put some ice cubes in your noon. <laughs> nice. And then of course, um, Stacy, you know, I, uh, it goes without saying that you need to dress properly, right. Um, keeping your core warm. This is where wool is so awesome. A nice mm-hmm. long sleeve wool shirt, um, will keep you, you know, regulate, help regulate your temperature, keep you dry. Um, really important to have good mittens, good hat, um, that will kind of wick away your sweat. Um, good socks, wool socks, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think about your legs, like your legs definitely need, um, you know, tights on them, (laughs) Um, but those are the ones that are moving the most, right? Like when I think about cycling, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like, I don't ever want to overdress too much on the bottom because that's actually the body part that's generating the most heat. So, you know, just Mm -hmm. a nice pair of um, thermal tights would, would do you well, you probably don't need two pairs. Um, And the other thing that I just want to say about the cold is that there's a real difference between wind and cold. And mm. I think, you know, on those days that she's feeling like, ugh, I'm not getting a bitch. Like if it's windy, skip it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> do something inside, um, to give yourself, you know, I mean, I, I you know, that Sarah, I mean, everybody mm-hmm. has felt that before. Right. Because mm-hmm. you know what, it can be 10 degrees here in Colorado, but if it's a blue sky and sunny day and no wind, It is, you know, it's still cold out running. Don't get me wrong, but it is not insufferable where if it was Mm -hmm. windy and 10 degrees, forget it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same with, uh, you know, depending on whether it's dry, cold, uh, you know, wet, cold. I mean, like I said that we were going to cancel our swim if it was in the mid thirties and rainy. I mean, that is just, that's rough. Yeah. Um, You know, when it's 35 and rainy, that's a bigger, big difference than 45 and rainy. Take it from somebody who lives in Portland, Oregon. Um, so Stacy, and when all else fails, tell yourself you're being mighty badass or being out in the cold because part of it is really a mindset. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks to a reminder from Dimity, I've rediscovered the amazing benefits of foam rolling and I've given it my own unique spin. After working on a particularly pesky knot in my upper back, I hit it with Nature's Gem CBD Rejuvenating Balm. The pain vanishes and my arm carriage is more free on my run. If you haven't tried it yet or are unfamiliar with it, CBD is an active ingredient in cannabis derived from hemp plants. CBD offers a wide range of benefits from easing aches and pains to calming anxiety, reducing inflammation, and aiding sleep. And because Nature's Gem CBD products contain no THC, it doesn't make you high. Nature's Gem Rejuvenating Balm absorbs quickly and smells faintly of hemp, a fragrance that reminds me of open fields brimming with budding hemp. 
hey, when you drive around Oregon, you're going to see a lot of such fields. Nature's Gem offers a variety of products, including gummies, oil, lotion, and even pet products. As a special for our audience, Nature's Gem offers various bundles so you can try several CBD products to determine which one works best for you. This is just one of the unique offers and weekly specials Nature's Gem serves up for us. As I record this, there's $5 off the rejuvenating balm that I swear by. You'll find these deals and more at naturesgemcbd.com slash AMR. That's naturesgemcbd.com slash AMR. All right. This one is Jenna, who's a new mom eyeing the 26.2 distance. Hey, Sarah and Dimity. This is Jenna in Arlington, Virginia. And my question is, when do you think is a good indicator that you're ready for your first marathon? I have run seven half marathons in the last uh, five or six years, and um, I had my first baby in April, so I haven't run more than nine miles straight since having him, but I feel really strong running a lot of miles uh, throughout the week. So I just would be interested in hearing your thoughts. Thanks so much for an awesome show. So I say that if the idea is binging around in your brain, um, enough for you to call our show, Jenna, then I'd say you're ready, Um, particularly also based on what you tell us about your running background. Absolutely. Yep. The fact that she's done seven half marathons, um, you've run nine miles. Um, My guess is that your marathon, if you started training like today, you would be over a year out from having um, your child, Jenna. So I think that that's great. I mean, basically when you want to, you know, you definitely want to have some mileage under your belt in races, race wise. This is ideal, right? Of course, people mm-hmm. like run a marathon on nothing, but that's not, <laughs> that's not the, the family line that we uh, adhere to here. Um, so basically, you know, when you, if you like, ideally for marathon being marathon training ready, meaning you're, you're ready to go into marathon training, you want to be running, you know, anywhere from three, three, four, five days a week, you know, looking at about 20 miles a week, um, a long run doesn't have to be longer than six or seven miles, but, and you have to be injury free. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You can't be like hobbling and getting over plan mm-hmm. of fat. Thinking mm-hmm. of, I'm going to run a marathon because there are plenty of plans that can take you from, you know, five miles, a six mile long run up to the marathon distance, including some of them and train like a mother club. Um, mm-hmm. lots of great options for you there, Jen, if you want to plan. Um, but Mostly it's, um, it's, you know, that the consistency of running and, um, and having a strong body, because as we'll talk about in a second, marathon training is not for the weak of heart, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, okay. So you think from their names, half marathon, marathon, you think, oh, well, I'll just double the half marathon. And there I go. I got a marathon, but there is some voodoo math that happens in there that makes it so that a marathon is not just double a half there. You know, I've done 14 marathons. And whether it's in training or particularly on race day, there is something about the, when you get up past kind of 19, 20 miles, the, the things just change. And in the, on race day, that final 10 K of the marathon, it's real, that's the make or break for everybody. And I'm thinking right now, as I talk about the second time I qualified for Boston and I just was so well-trained. I felt like a million bucks in that final 10 K. And that's just uh, from all my other experience, that's just unheard of because I think about, I think about when I ran Boston and it was, I was in my pain cave and Melissa who actually works in the, for the train, like a mother club 
um, for us that I saw her and I just was like, mm, no, can't talk pain cave. Like <laughs> I just had to go in there, hunker down and get through it. Yeah, totally. Um, and Jenna, I mean, you know this from, from having run your half marathons, but you know that training is obviously a big commitment and just like, it's not double the commitment, but it is deaf, um, training for a marathon isn't double the commitment for training for a half marathon because a lot of the weekday runs are the same, but those weekend runs are, mm-hmm. um, they're your bread and butter and they're super important for getting to, you know, the endurance and the mileage and getting your body ready to run the distance on pavement. Um, and with a small child, I mean, this is, it's, um, her kid's age is basically the age that, um, Ben was, yeah. and, um, your twins were a little bit older when we ran San Francisco, but, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's hard. (laughs) There's no two ways about it because, you know, you're going to come home from, you know, a 14 or 15 miler, you're pretty depleted, right? No matter how well you, you know, you kept it easy that still you were running for 15 miles. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you've got your family and you've got, you know, um, you know, you nap when the kid naps, it's almost like you just birth, right? (laughs) The baby's napping from one to three. I I want you up with your feet up from one to three and hopefully closing your eyes for a little bit. And that thing, I mean, that's, that's, that's the only thing. And we're not trying to discourage you at all, but we know the reality of having a very small kid and also having the pressure of a marathon and it's a good pressure. It's a, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very, um, fulfilling and, um, motivating pressure, but it's also important that you, you know, give yourself, um, enough space in your life to, to, to do the things that you need to do, which is like sleep more foam roll a little bit, do some strength training, eat well, all that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gosh, hearing you talk, I was just, it just brought me back to that. When you train for a marathon with young kids, it's just like you switch from having to put in the miles to boom, I'm in mom mode. I am cannot sit down. I have to go to the park. Like maybe I could fit in a shower before I go. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I can still see myself like coming home and you know, you get that, like, um, you know, that sweat on your face, right. It's almost like an exfoliant, right? Like I've got white all over my face <laughs> in Denver, in, in Portland. We don't get that. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, uh, just, you know, coming home and right away, mom, 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 mom. And you're like, Oh God, I've got to get something to eat. And then they need something to eat. And then your husband who's been on duty, for four hours wants to go do his thing because it's the weekend. Like I, it's just, it is, I mean, you look back, sometimes I look at people who have small kids and I'm like, I know I did that. I just <laughs> can't remember how, you know, um, <laughs> totally, totally. Oh my gosh. And Jenna, the final plug is choose a marathon in the second half of this year in the hopes that you actually get to toe at the starting line. So um, you know, let's put in a, um, we hoped very much that Missoula marathon is going to happen at the end of June. We very much hope to be at twin cities marathon. So consider one of those. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And this question is from someone who wishes to remain anonymous. Who's trying to conceive. Hi, Sarah Indemity. I would rather stay anonymous if that's okay. My question is about running and trying to conceive. There's a lot of ambiguous information online about whether running helps or hurts fertility and what exactly moderate exercise is. And I know you both aren't doctors, but just wondering if you could shed some light on it from the mother runner perspective. Thanks. And oof, Timothy, I could really relate to this question. 
um, took Jack and me seven months to conceive our older child, Phoebe, and then we had secondary infertility. So ultimately we had to go the IVF route to have our twins. But I just remember really struggling with wondering whether things, particularly with that secondary infertility, whether things that I was doing that meant so much to me for my um, mental health and my, I felt my physical well-being were being, you know, detrimental to my um, quest to, you know, have more kids. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That, it's a tough one. It is. It's definitely trying to walk a very thin line. And I definitely sympathize with um, you, Sarah, being in that situation. A lot of women are in that situation and it, and it breaks my heart. Um, and, you know, again, we are not doctors. <laughs> We're so far from it. Yeah. Um, we, we might take a cold shower. That's about as much advice. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, or, or, you know what? I would sit in, the, I would do one day, eight hours naked, and then think that's about as close to. Anyway. We, we need to sell tickets for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not to show, but anyway, sorry. Um, getting back to the important topic. I mean, basically, research shows that moderate exercise um, doesn't have a negative impact on fertility. Um, and what does moderate look like for you? I mean, that's going to be an individual. Uh, individual situation, person to person, you know, if you're running maybe 15, 20 miles a week, maybe you can keep that up. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go, um, if you're running 15, 20 miles a week thinking, oh, I could get to 25, 30, I want to keep going more. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's the, based on what we've read, you know, when the mileage gets to 40, 50, 60 plus miles a week that, um, fertility can suffer. Um, so, you know, let's talk a little bit about effort. Um, you know, if you are, say you're a runner, you know, and you ran four days a week, um, and now you're getting undergoing fertility treatments, um, you can probably still run four days a week, but you know, maybe those two, two of those days were one day was intervals. One day was Hills. I would say those four days now are completely easy. Mm -hmm. like if you are, um, if you adhere to heart rate zones, it would be, um, you know, mostly staying in one and two, I mean, totally mm -hmm. staying in one and two, but staying in one is fine. You know, um, not just not getting it too hard. So if you, you know, if you have a big hill that you need to get up, I would personally probably walk it. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, um, we're really just trying to, like you said, kind of get all the uh, mental and physical benefits from exercise without getting your body kind of overly stimulated mm -hmm. in our very layman's non-medical way of, of thinking about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we certainly know though, that nutrition goes hand in hand with this issue. You know, you need to be taking in a sufficient number of calories, bringing in enough energy so that you're not going into a major deficit. They can wreak havoc with your hormones and your stress levels. And there are just all sorts of, it's not just that maybe you're, oh, am I getting my estrogen or my progesterone out of wonk? It's like your estradiol and your cortisol and all these things. And just, you know, you're going through enough stress trying to conceive whether you're just, whether it's been months and months of trying or whether you've stepped up to a little more high tech option. And you're just, I just, you're under so much stress already. So you want to just be doing whatever it is you can ratchet that stress level down. And so, but, but going back to the, if you're not taking in enough energy to um, cover what you're outputting, you know, taken to an extreme, this can lead to amenorrhea, which is um, a fancy word that's really hard to spell. Um uh, for the loss of periods and Tina Muir, who's a former pro runner and she's host of the running for real podcast. You know, she's been very open with her struggle with amenorrhea and she 
suffered from it for nine years. So meaning that she didn't have her period for nine years during her pro career. And she realized that she really, what she wanted most was a family. And so she stepped back from pro running and was very open about um, how things were going. And sort of before she went down even a more, you know, really getting some treatment for it, she got her period back and she now has two, you know, daughters. So, you know, very happy ending to that story. And so you just really need to um, be making sure that your body is in, in as much stasis as it possibly can be. Way to pull out the word stasis, Sarah. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Balance. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, if running isn't an option, I mean, again, moderate exercise to me, that means, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, most days a week, of some kind of cardio, right? Um, and so that means walking, that can mean swimming, that can mean a bike ride, that can mean a hike, uh, mm-hmm. Pilates, yoga, whatever. You know, I mean, there's so much to be gained by moving, um, you know, by moving your body and it doesn't necessarily have to be running. I mean, running is definitely um, the extreme cardio, right? As mm-hmm. far as impact on your joints and how it gets your heart rate going and all that kind of stuff. So if you find that you're feeling like a little jostled after a run, then the next day, um, you know, go for a swim, go for a walk, go for a hike, take an online Pilates class, something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And above all else, um, anonymous, just remember that this is a finite moment of your life, that this is a temporary situation and that hopefully running is always going to be there for you. And that if, it, if you have to put it, um, you know, to the side for a while that, um, you know, uh, I'm here to, t- <laughs> I got 15 year old twins. So <laughs> things happen. <laughs> they do, yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, um, we would love if you have questions to ask us that if you would call them in the number to call is four, seven, zero, badass one, that's four, seven, zero, two, two, three, two, seven, seven, one. Please leave your first name if you feel comfortable doing so and where you're calling from. Keep your message to 90 seconds or less. And this is one tip. Um, we do not edit our questions. So if you leave a voicemail and um, you realize you forgot to say your name or you get kind of lost in your thoughts and, and kind of um, uh, misspeak or something, just hang up and then call back and re-record the entire message. You don't have to say, oh, I just called back and it's, you know, this is Sarah again. Just start as if it's fresh because we'll use that um, message and we'll just, I'll just delete the other one. There you go. Um, And this new year, we'd love to get some new listeners. So please tell your friends about this show. Um, Please give us a rating on iTunes if you enjoy it. Um, And uh, and, uh, please tune in to uh, AMR Trains and the Irregular Another Mother Runner podcast. We are trying to bolster our number of downloads of our podcasts, which is um, a little bit like a marathon training, right? You got to <laughs> keep at it. <laughs> yes. And get help along the way. Get help and supporters along the way. Please. So keep the questions coming. We're here with answers. Yeah.